This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Welcome back to Everything with Allie Levine. I'm your host, Allie, and I'm so excited for today's guest. I have such an incredible woman, actress, mother, so amazing things. I've actually known her for a long time and like reconnected with her. We'll get into that. But I have the incredible Jen Liley, who's the star on both the silver and small screens, including the Academy Award winning film, The Artist, NBC's iconic daytime series, Days of Our Lives, ABC's General Hospital, and a regular leading lady on the Hallmark Channel. Actress, singer, philanthropist, Jen Liley has tackled countless roles throughout her illustrious career. And to the creative prowess does not end with the director yells cut. She's a singer and a songwriter. Her music exudes the same sultry ferocity of Twiggy and Jean Shrimpton with Phil Spector's Wolves sound treatment via Rose Danvers and her 50-piece orchestra. And guys, if I could just tell you, she is like literally a full-blown entrepreneur, like hustler to the max, but like so good at everything she does. Her career is amazing. I'm sure if you guys know who she is and follow her, like I can't say enough good things. She also works with charities. Like I could read her bio and on, but I want her to like come on the show and meet you guys. So Jen, welcome to my show. Thanks for having me on. So good to reconnect with you after like, I don't know, a decade. <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. So before we were like actually on recording, we were talking about like when, oh my God, like when was it that we actually work together like I styled you for like a ma magazine cover and then you had a red carpet and I'm like when was this so long ago like I think it was maybe 2011 2012 like it go oh yeah right when you add 2020 on that's like 40 decades you know 40 years ago <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. It was so long ago. It's like, like you have had such a career since I've done so much since you were like one of my first, like really big names to dress like on a major cover of a magazine and like do a red carpet. Like I remember the young giddy alley when I dressed you, like I was so excited to work with you. It's so funny how like so many years later we've reconnected on social and like here we are. We were texting earlier about like mom life and like, it just, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. I love it. I mean, so, so many obviously know you, but for like those that don't know you, can you give us like a quick little snippet of like, kind of, you know, who you are and, and all that jazz? <laughs> it's so funny. Cause I still don't realize that people know who I am. Like I don't register that. I, I still like have like high school geek syndrome. <laughs> Um, okay, so if anybody knows me, they either know me from soap operas, uh, for General Hospital, or Days of Our Lives, or from um, The Artist, which was a little film, uh, you know, no big deal, and then, uh, but I was a small role in that, or they probably know me most likely from Hallmark Channel, which is the number one network in the United States, um, and I do a lot of movies for them, and I'm really glad, and as soon as I booked a movie with Hallmark, my mom decided that I was like, you know, one of our kids. So put me on the map. Oh, I love it. Well, I mean, hello. 
Hallmark has been killing it for quite some time. You have a movie coming out soon with them, right? I do. I have one called Snow Kissed, a very original title coming out um, Saturday, January 30th at 9 p.m. on Hallmark Channel. This one's interesting, though, because it is straight up comedy. Like the audiences are either going to think it's like the best thing that ever happened to Hallmark Channel or they're not. And and I don't know. I did do ADR for it, which is called automatic dialogue replacement, which is basically when you dub over the movie because there's background noise or anything like that. I did do automatic dialogue replacement for it today and was cracking up, like cracking up. So it's very funny. It's kind of like Hallmark is doing friends. Um, and you know, they can, they can cast their vote January 30th at 9 PM on Hallmark channel. I can't wait to tune in and check it out. It sounds funny. I mean, so, you know, you've done so many different roles and like, you just said, this was comedy. Like, do you have a favorite lane that you get to kind of, you know, act in or like you feel like you're at home with Jen or what? I, you know, it's funny because when I did soap operas, all I wanted to do was comedy. I miss comedy so much. Um, and I got spoiled because on Days of Our Lives, my character was very much the Mercutio of the show. I mean, she was, you know, the comedic reprieve of all the soap opera stuff. But, you know, I still had my baby stolen out of me and things like that. <laughs> but, um, you know, all the soapy stuff. But, you know, when I do pure comedy, I really crave drama. So I don't have a lane that I stay in. I guess if I... Gosh, yeah, I don't know. If I really had to pick, I suppose I would pick comedy just because it's so uplifting. But at the same time, then whenever I do comedy, it's like, I want to do a biopic. You know, I want to do real movies. So I don't know. <laughs> so you kind of like to be like all over the place. All over the place. Yeah. But I feel like that's like, but in the best way, I feel like like that's, that's you. I mean, like I said in your bio, you know, you're like, you know, you're a singer, songwriter, you're an actress, like, you know, you wear many hats, you're a mom, you're a wife, like you, you do a lot, you know? That's so funny that you said that because while I was waiting for you to, you know, finish feeding your little infant and, and, and just get ready. I'm like sitting here in quarantine. I'm looking at my Instagram feed and I was like, girl, you got to pick a lane. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I look like I have multiple personalities right now on my Instagram. I don't even know if that's like the new 2021 trend where people are like, I don't even care if your filters match anymore. Just like post what's relevant. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. I feel like anything goes after 2020, like, like anything. It's just like, oh, that happened. Oh, really? Okay. Like, it's just, you got to just have to roll with it. Cause it's just like, we're all hot messes. We're all doing our best. We're all being forced to grow. So it's like in some way, shape or form. So it's just like, oh, okay, that happened. All right, whatever. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah. You know, I mean, but seriously though, like on a serious note, you've done really well in your career. You've continued to like switch up and change and do all these different things and be in these different roles and, you know, wear all these different hats. Like how, you know, I guess my question is, is like, where do you get, you know, like the, not just the energy, but like the drive to do it. And like, what keeps you going? Because I'm sure for those that are listening, they're like, wow, she's done a lot. And she's had a really successful career and continues to, I mean, even now during COVID, during the pandemic, all the things you're still working, like right now you're away in quarantine, you know, like, like, how do you feel like, you know, from where you started to like where you are now, how has Jen Lowe been able to continue to thrive and been able to like, keep that drive? I think it's a really good question. And I don't know that I have a good answer for it other than, um, you know, I think like anyone, you go through different seasons of your life. So when I was a really young actress, I, all I wanted to do is act, you know what I mean? That's, I just really wanted to establish that I would have done anything for a role. Whereas now, um, you know, especially having young kids, my kids are right now, my kids are 
four, two, and one, you know, I really miss them. And when I'm in quarantine, I'm so grateful to be working, but there's also part of me that craves the family balance because these are the formative years. So I think my motive changes, uh, or, you know, my perspective changes and what my goals are, but I think what keeps me going, you know, the overall through line would just be that I really love people. And so with acting, you know, I love telling stories because, especially in a year, you know, like 2020, I know we've gotten past that and hopefully things are going to get better. But at the same time, we're still kind of in quarantine. Things are still going there. And now more than ever, it's just so powerful that as an actor, you know, when you can make someone laugh in their living room, who's going through a really difficult time, that's incredible. And that's an, a gift of, of love and kindness that you're actually, you know, being able to reach someone and hit their emotions. Same with, uh, drama, you know, sometimes when you make somebody cry, they need to cry, you know, we, we cry and we release toxins. And so there's something beautiful about the art of storytelling that I, to me, is a, um, a way to extend love to people. I think also when you have a platform, you know, I've always known that as my platform grows, I want to use it to give back to people, to encourage people. Um, so that drives me a lot. And I think the main thing that drives me right now is just that I so love children and my, my life goal is to build a neighborhood for children in foster care where every single household in the neighborhood has um, loving parents, whether it's a mom or dad, a single parent, you know, what have you, um, but just has that healthy dynamic where the foster parent is willing to love that child's birth family as well, because that's the goal of foster care. The goal of foster care is not adoption. The goal of foster care is to put the children back with their families. They've come from seriously, you know, broken situations. We can get into foster care if you want, but the goal is not adoption, but I want parents living in my neighborhood that are willing to adopt the children in their care, should that become an option. Um, so that we can break the cycle of abuse. And the reason I choose a neighborhood model is because I've studied a lot about foster care and I'm foster and adoptive parent myself and an advocate for children myself. And I think that the only thing that can break the cycle of abuse is the family model. And I think that um, a neighborhood model would work because, you know, you know, being a mom, it does, you don't have to be a foster parent to be able to relate to the idea that it would be so incredible to live in a neighborhood where you knew that every single one of your neighbors was like a licensed, amazing, good person, where if you had an emergency or you needed a date or whatever, you could be like, hi, I can call any neighbor on my right or left. And with foster care in particular, um, a lot of foster parents burn out and quit the first year because there is no support. And it is just like very weird, um, just a weird road of parenting where you're like not the parent, but you're the parent, but you're not the parent. And so it's very emotional and you do love these children as if they're your own. And so to be able to call up a neighbor too and kind of have that support group, I think would keep good foster parents in the game. And it would also give children a stable model because so many times these kids go from abuse and neglect to further abuse and neglect. So Anyway, it's going to take a lot of money to build that neighborhood. So I really need my platform to keep going. <laughs> I love it. Well, so you talked about your gift and how, you know, especially right now, you feel you really, you know, get to bring that love and that light and that happiness and that laughter or someone that needs to cry. Did you always feel that that was your gift, that that was, you know, because all of us obviously have a purpose, right? Whether we really know it or not, or if we actually tap into our gifts or how long it takes us to actually do that. 
did you always know that that was your gift to be able to, no matter who it was, even if they were watching you on a big screen, that, that you were getting to have that moment with people? Was that always something that, you know, continue, like when you talk about your drive, you, you know, you spoke about it so fluently and it kind of just went right into it. But I'm just curious, like, was it always there or was it something that kind of came from the drive of wanting to act and wanting to be, you know, this and that? No, I think my love of people is what drove me into acting. Um, and that comes, you know, further than that, beyond that, that comes from my faith. You know, people can believe whatever they want to believe, but I myself am a Christian and I just really love God. And so if you actually love Jesus and you study the Bible, Jesus really, really loved people. Like he was a big fan of people. And so um, my love for people has always just been forefront Um in my heart. And I just felt led to acting because I love people so much. That's beautiful. And so like you said about foster care, has that something you've always been passionate about or is it something that's kind of came over time in your experiences? That's a great question. So, you know, in a nutshell, cause like literally we could talk 10 hours foster care. We wouldn't even cover all of it, <laughs> but in a nutshell, my parents were kind of unofficial foster parents growing up. Um, so we often had people living with us that maybe just needed help transitioning in life that were either family friends or friends of friends. Um, and so the idea of somebody living inside my home who was outside of my core family unit was not foreign to me. And I think that that really opened up my heart to empathy um, and just, you know, understanding that's not scary and that's not scary for kids. Um, and so then back in 2011, actually, when you and I had met, I, um, you know, booked General Hospital, I had booked the artist, and I had started um, really gaining that kind of celebrity momentum, and just was really dipping my foot into that realm. And so I got a publicist, like any good actress does. And <laughs> I remember I just started exploring what are kind of the issues that are really going on in the United States. And at the time, I was doing water charities, which I'm a big fan of. I mean, the world water crisis is definitely something that needs sunlight, but it was getting a lot of sunlight. And so I started praying about, you know, as awesome as it is to help other nations. And I think that that is so relevant and there's a place for that. I also think, especially, you know, now we're seeing the product of it. How many times do we turn a blind eye to what's right in front of us, to our own neighborhood, you know, and we forsake someone in our own community because we want to be philanthropic and help some other nation where meanwhile we're like falling apart, you know, here in the United States. So I came across child abuse and that and child pornography, which is like not a fun topic. And I started really lending my voice to that and got a lot of flack for my, um, for my publicist who I fired at the time. Cause I was like, look, I have to talk about this. Nobody's talking about it. And then from that, I learned more about foster care. And then I started mentoring a lot of abused children who of course had come from foster care. And so that led me to become a foster parent. Wow. So amazing. So when you became a foster parent, were you already a mom, Jen, or was that the first, that was your first step? Yeah, I, yeah. And, and funny enough, um, you know, like any married couple. So I got married really young. I got married at 22 because oh, I'm I from didn't know that. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so like when, like I've been married, gosh, I've been married for freaking ever and, um, and he's awesome, but you know, how long have you been married? I've been married for eight and a half years. 
Okay. So like, I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but for me, like year six and a half going into that seven year itch was like a real thing. Like the seven year itch was a real thing, like a really real thing. And, um, I don't know yet. My parents say every seven years, you know, like it's something I'm going into, I'm going into year 14 now. And I'm like, things are great, but you know, during year seven, um, things really hit the fan and we, you know, there was no affair, but it was just kind of like, we would be at that point, you know? And, and so we had to really come to the table and, um, cause we really made our minds up that unless something like horrendous happens, we're not getting divorced. Like that's not the goal. So we just had to really kind of excavate the relationship, figure out how we got where we were and rebuild. And, um, when we did that, we had decided, we thought that we didn't want to be parents. Like we were like, wow, wow. We have missed like the first seven years of our marriage. We have really squandered. This was stupid. We don't want kids. Like we, I'm, I've got a job now. I was on the soap opera. I was like, we could travel. Like we could do, like we could be cool, you know? Like, <laughs> and then we decided to foster and we thought we would just be I think part of it, I think, well, maybe not Jason. My husband, Jason is like the nicest person you've ever met. Like he is like the poster boy for like the boy Scouts or something. (laughs) He's a freaking saint, but I know that part of me, who am I kidding? I know that at least a little part of me thought, oh, I'm going to just be a foster parent and everybody's going to think I'm so nice, you know? And then I'm going to like, rehabilitate that kid get that family back together then I'll go to like Paris and Europe and then like when I'm ready three months later I'll foster another kid and Caden was supposed to be um you know maybe two weeks to three months and now we've adopted him and I love him so much and then his brother Jeffrey is his real brother and we've also adopted Jeff and you know and now I'm at the point where I'm like I think at the end of the day I will end up adopting eight it's like the number I have in my head that I'm scared wow. about. Yeah. But I mean, like my, my social worker would always make fun of me. I'd be like, so how many children can you actually have? And he'd be like, I have bad news for you, Jen. It's not a hundred. And I'd be like, <laughs> but which I think is why I want to build a neighborhood, you know, because I'm just like, I want to save them all. <laughs> it's so like, so yeah, never wanted to be a foster parent, never wanted to be a parent. I didn't think. And now I'm just like, give me all the babies. <laughs> Oh, but that's so sweet. I mean, it goes back to like you were saying, you know, with God, it's like my dad always says to me, man makes plans and God laughs. I mean, you know, totally. <laughs> you know, I mean, but so when you went through your first experience, you said it was only going to be like a few months and then you figured like, oh, I'll give them back and they'll be fine. And then what happened if you don't mind getting into it, like that made you shift that you and Jason ended up having this child. Um, well, it's not, you know, it's like, I, I actually can't discuss the specifics course, because that's like how foster care yeah. works, but yeah. in it, you know, being cryptic, how it's how anyone ends up, uh, adopting in Caden's case was very, very dangerous. And in 29% of the cases of children that are fostering are being fostered, um, the court will rule that it is actually unsafe, that that child is more likely to die, uh, or sustain extreme abuse should they be reunited and so that child becomes available for adoption and of course they want you know the foster parent especially like Caden came to us at four months old um so you know we're the only parents he's ever known and um and it's interesting because he's just now starting to comprehend that 
kind of what adoption means. Like I've, I've told him he's adopted just because I don't want it to be shocking, but I try not to make it like a thing, but he's been asking me like, he's really asking me like, Hey, do you have another baby in your belly? And I'm like, sure. Hope not. <laughs> so, like every time he says that I go pee on his stick because I'm so just like, Oh my God. Like, I feel like kids have like a sixth sense, you know, hey, like, like, he knows something you don't know. on the Allie Levine podcast. <laughs> I am not pregnant. Um, and I knew I could get pregnant when we fostered. I just like, you know, I just thought that would be a good thing to do. But yeah, I mean, so he just, he was, it was an unsafe situation. And then with his brother, it was also an unsafe situation, but it was a little different in that um, they have different dads and their mom I'm extremely close with. And I stay in touch with her a lot. Um, and she really wanted us to adopt the boys, which was what we wanted to. So we were all very grateful that it worked out the way it, it worked out. Oh, that's amazing. So she yeah. was also on board. So that's, that's, I, I can imagine that's not always the picture. So you had actually like really beautiful picture of how the boys came into your family, into your life. Yeah. I mean, as beautiful as foster care can be. I mean, it's, I'm it's sure. a, it's a, it's an emotional, crazy ride foster care. Cause it's just like not the goal. And, and it can be, it's just emotional. Yeah. Cause, cause you go to these court cases and you're not allowed to say anything as a foster parent, even though, you know, like a lot that you're like, this would not be a good idea. You just have to really, I have never prayed so much as I have, like, since I became a foster parent, because you really do have to just like rely on prayer and hoping that people have common sense. Wow. Yeah. And so, so your, your two boys, you said are foster care. And then is, is that you have two? I have two boys, um, Jeff and Caden, they're four and two. And then I always knew I could get pregnant. Um, so we, when we took in Jeff, um, my husband and I, I'm like totally okay with it, which is why I'm saying it, but we had had a miscarriage and I remember getting pregnant and knowing that their mom was pregnant with Jeff. I, I knew it because I, we did visits with her. Um, that's one of the things that makes foster care hard. And that's weird is that you, you do these, they're called monitored visits where you're basically like, you know, watching them and monitoring their visits and like having to write reports on how their parenting is, which makes you feel like cred. Um, cause you're like, I'm really not trying to steal your baby, but also like, like this, this, and this happened during the visit, which is not good. Um, so when we, we had a miscarriage, which I, remember as soon as I had a miscarriage, um, I remember the first, when I found out I was pregnant with that baby, I turned to Jason and said, what are we going to do when Jeffrey is born? And, um, and he was like, I don't know. And I was like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And I said, I guess, I guess we would just have twins because I already kind of, I knew I was going to go to call for Jeff. I mean, I love their mom, but she's really young as part of it. And, you know, she's just, she just wasn't ready to be a mom. And so, I was like, oh my gosh. And then we miscarried. And um, obviously that's super hard and emotional and nobody wants to miscarry ever. But at the same time, there was part of me in the back of my head that thought I'm about to get a call for Jeffrey. And so I did. And I was like, okay, this kind of makes me feel better because I didn't want to have to have twins, you know? And then when we took in Jeff, uh, it was one of those discussions where I looked at Jason and was like, okay, so I was, you know, 34 and I was like, I know I want to be pregnant and I want to breastfeed because what a cool thing that our bodies can do. And I would really like to only do it once. Um, 
so do I want to do that? You know, because foster care is not a guarantee. And like, again, like I said, it's, it's not for adoption, but at the same time, who wants to be freaking pregnant and have like a two-year-old, an infant, and then be pregnant. So, <laughs> so that's yeah. how I ended up with three. We just decided to go for it and we got pregnant on the first shot. So yeah. Oh, good for you. And so, and so your third is a girl. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. And then she's how old? She's going to almost, she's almost 18 months. Oh, yeah. So cute. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I have my toddler, Amelia is uh, almost two and a half. And then Arlie, who I had during the pandemic, pregnant in the pandemic. So she's seven months. So yeah. So I, I totally get it. You <laughs> totally get it. I mean, like, and now just imagine like being pregnant right now and finding out you're pregnant. Like that's basically where I was at. Was like, wow. That's intense. Yeah. 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 But I mean, like, so, you know, like being a mom, I mean, is it, I mean, you're so open, like you said, and you love people and I know you love so hard. Is it, I don't want to say weird because it's not the right word, but how is it, I guess, like being a mom to her and the fact that you obviously carried her and, you know, nurse her and like have the whole experience, I guess, is what I'm getting at. And then you have the boys who you obviously love madly, but didn't experience that. Like, I guess I'm just curious, obviously, as someone who doesn't know or hasn't been through that if, set of things. Yeah. If anything, I love my daughter less because she destroyed my body. <laughs> <laughs> and, and girls take your beauty. I know twice. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was worried about that, you know, like to be super frank, I was very worried about that when I was pregnant because people would ask me that, you know, like, are you worried that you're going to love your daughter more? And I was like, God, I hope not because I can't imagine loving a child any more than I love my boys. But at the same time, I just, it was like a, a kind of a deep, like kind of fear or worry in my head. Like, God, what if I do? And, and I don't like, I don't see, I, it's like, I just forget. I just don't even, to me, my boys are my boys. And I know that any child, you know, even, you know, I have a daughter, well, she's like not my daughter, but in my heart, she's my daughter and her name's Shanae and she's 21. And it's like, I clearly, and she's a 21 year old black woman. She is like, five, nine, like I clearly did not have her, <laughs> but like, I love her as if she's my child, you know, it's like, I don't even, I don't, there is no discrepancy for me. And so it's been cool, especially in my faith, you know, to, to, because if you know anything about Christianity, like basically the, the layman's term story is, Hey, I'm a Gentile, which means I'm God's adopted child. Like I am not a Jewish person. I am not chosen. I am not a Levine. That is not my last name. So, um, so it gave me a lot of perspective of like, oh, God loves me as much as he loves Jewish people, which I like can't wrap my head around, except now that I'm like an adoptive mom and a biological mom. It's so funny. And like, I, of course, love my daughter. Like, I love her. She was, I had like, a, I was like the girl you hate. Like I had the perfect pregnancy. I had perfect breastfeeding, though. I did feel like a cow, you know, <laughs> it's hard not she to ate. like he was just such an eater and she still is. But I will say, tell me if you relate to this as a mom, because I worry about it. I am so judgy toward my own daughter. Like the boys are perfect. The boys are perfect. I look at my daughter and because I see myself in her, I'm like, oh man, like, I hope she doesn't have a double chin later. You know, <laughs> like, I totally get horrible. it. I, I totally get it. Yeah. No, I definitely have those moments with my, with my, with my first. And it's actually funny. My husband will too. He'll be like, oh man, I hope she doesn't end up having a Jack Russo nose. And I'm like, babe, you know, and he's like, but seriously, like, he's like that. We don't want that. And I'm like, but don't say that. Like, you know, it's like, 
Like, I don't have mom goggles. I remember being at Cedar sinai and everybody was like, your daughter is so cute. You're, now, that is a cute baby. And, like, they don't come out cute. And she's cute. And I'm just like, really? <laughs> Are you sure? And, like, my husband was like, she's so cute. And I was like, I mean. And now I think she's, like, super cute. But, like, it took a long time for me to come to terms. I was like, I mean. Well, I think too, like, you know, like, you know, it's funny. always like, so for me with Amelia, like she is literally my husband's clone. Like there is nothing of her, nothing. Like you look at her and you're like, who is the mother? Like if I hadn't carried her, I wouldn't believe it. Like nothing. Like yeah. And it's like, and I, you know, I've said to several people, I'm like, when I had her and, you know, and, and she was put in my arms, I remember looking at her and being like, she's mine. Like, what? You know, because in my mind, I had envisioned, you know, this baby with, you know, porcelain skin and like, like reddish hair and all these things that I like envisioned was going to be. And then she comes out with like jet black hair and she's huge and this. And I was like, the fuck? You know, it's like, yes, like, this is my child. Like, what? You know, it's like, so yes. I think a lot of moms, like, you know, when they give birth, it's like maybe it's not what you like imagined or you created in your head and your mind. And then when you see it, you're like, that's mine. Like, so like adopt, you know, because yeah. I'm telling you, like my adoptive kids, I'm like, you are perfect. Everything about you is perfect. You're flawless. You're a genius. Like you're beautiful. Yes. <laughs> my daughter, I'm like, you are sassy and, and I'm afraid of you. And you are a miniature me. God, was I just judgy? Like, do you think anything is funny? Like, she's just like, well, I think too, because like, like you said, like you birthed her, it's like, there's like this, you know, it's like, you just said like, oh, mini me. It's like, you like look and you're like, oh, oh man, like, is this going to be like now, like what I was now this is in front of me. Like, it's like a lot, you know, it's like a lot of that. And it's funny. Like my daughter, Amelia is literally my husband, like every movement, every mannerism, everything she does. I'm like, oh my God, like, like you are your father. Like, oh my God. And then Arlie, my, you know, new one, like she's kind of a blend and like people keep seeing, they say, see a lot of me and this and that. And it's so funny. And I keep staring at her. I'm like, are you going to be like me? Are you like, I can't tell. And it's like, it's funny how you like do that dance with your kids of like that, like, who are you? Are you going to be like me? Like, what's your personality? And you like, so I, I totally get it. And I feel like that's, yeah. but I feel like it's like, especially like, you know, I guess biologically, because you carried them and like the whole thing, it's like, you're looking at them and you're like, wow, holy shit, I created you. And then you're like trying to figure out like who they are. And like, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's just different, I guess. Yeah. And then Julie's very much like, we call her the bruiser because she's very much like her older brothers. Like, she's just like, I got to learn how to wrestle to survive in this household. And I'm like, <laughs> Man, so like there's a lot of times I wonder, you know, what would it be like if you had just older sisters? Like, would you like dresses? Would you like pink? Because I like pink, you know, and she's just like, I want to play with their cars and <laughs> thank you. Well, that's what she has in front door, of her. But I like to play. What? Is that what she has in front of her? Her brother's playing and you know, wrestling. Yeah. And she's so like, she's don't like, give me this girl right? toy. I know this isn't cool. And I'm like, <laughs> I want a fire truck I'm like I don't want you to have a fire truck right now I want you to have a tea set <laughs> but like I feel like that's normal like I you know like I was you know I'm the only girl in my family and I was the oldest so like I kind of set the you know situation and and then my brothers came in you know so it was like I had the ponies and I had this and I had that and whatever and then of course they got their toys but at first it was like very much my stuff you know and taking me around you know but then with my girls it's like they're sisters so it's like obviously everything is all the girly stuff and like you know this one playing with that and you know all that so I feel like it's also like what your 
I don't know, like what you're around, you know, like what your siblings are doing, like what they're up to. Because like even my mom, she has two brothers and she's the youngest and she was always a tomboy because she chased them around and she would yes. like, fly off the handrails you know, on her bike and, you know, just do whatever they were doing. Yeah. She wanted to like keep up with them. So I feel like that's, you know, she wants to be with her brothers. Yeah. And like, she reminds me of Caden, my four-year-old, like she is, they're just bossy. Like they're loud, bossy kids. <laughs> Jeff is like, traditional middle child like snuggly calm he's a I'm like Julie get off your brother like get off of your brother I guess she's like a year older than and younger than him older she seems older you know it's like Korean sweater in the mouth my god so it'll be interesting to see how they all turn out I've got to get Jeff like another I can't like he cannot I've got to have like an even number of kids like <laughs> do, do you want so you want more obviously yeah um we we promised ourselves that we would give ourselves like a year um from you know, like maybe come this November, you know, we may end up taking another baby, but. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, I give you a lot of credit. I mean, there, you know, we, we also say we want another one and there are a lot of work. Kids too. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, but the reason I it. would take. Hmm? I said, we've talked about having another one. It's like, it's intense. I mean, it's beautiful, but it's intense. Yeah. But I mean, I would normally want to foster a kid who is like potty trained. That seems pretty great to me, even though they come with a lot of baggage. But the main thing is um, there's like a weird psychology pecking order of your children. And it's easier for the foster child to come into the fold when there's like an older sibling. So we just know that whoever we foster next can't be older than Caden or it like really actually unsettles all the kids and the child who's coming in. Like it makes them very nervous because then they feel like they need to be you know, responsible. So we'll probably end up getting another infant, which as you know, I mean, hopefully your child's sleeping for the night now, but like, maybe not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. you know, the sleep overall, yeah, overall, she sleeps through the night. She's obviously doing solids as well. So like that helps her sleep. So she's yeah. nursing and eating solids. But like last night she woke up at 3am because her teeth were bothering her. She's starting to cut teeth. And so that's always fun, the teething. So she's like, you know, I think the third one's coming in. So she, last night she was, you know, hollering. Oh. So I went in and gave her, you know, teething medication and nursed her again to put her back to bed. Thank God, knock on wood, she seems to only really wake up once. I nurse, I give her medicine and she goes back to sleep and she stays down for the night. But you know, there's still moments where she, you know, has her moments. Yeah. Overall, she sleeps through the night. Like I can't complain because she really is. I was telling my husband says, like Justin, I'm like, we are so blessed. Like for having a freaking pandemic baby who was born literally when the riots broke out at Cedars, like everything. Oh she, my gosh. Zen baby. Like she would just lay on the mat and just like coo and like look around and like laugh. And it's like, how are you this zen coming into like this 2020? You know, it's like she's just ah. like la 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 la. Like, <laughs> like it's like I said to my husband, I'm like, well, she chose this time. She's like, what up? I'm good. You know, like she's just like, she's, what does her name mean? Arlie. It means actually because I'm half Jewish, my father. So um, Arlie in Hebrew means promise, and I felt like okay, promise of what all these new babies are bringing into this world. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yes. I was like, what her name means like calm, like I'm just calm, you know? 
right? It's just, it's just like so funny, but it's like, but she's just so zen. She's just like, I'm just hanging out. Like Amelia will be running all over her and jumping and pulling on her cheeks and like, oh, baby sister, I love you. And she's just like, la, la, la. and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, she's not a doll. Like she's a baby. And she's like, oh. and I'm like, okay, easy. You know, and Arlie just lays there smiling at her and laughing at her. And I'm like, really? Like, so cute it really is it's so sweet and it's like you know talking about motherhood it's like I don't know about for you but I'm sure for you especially because you've been on both sides of it but it's like it has been the most humbling experience for me like it has been the most like how you were saying from the beginning of the show kind of how you know when you stepped into motherhood you went from like I have to get this role to like all right like it's just you know, my family is like more important. My, my, my unit's more important. My, this, my, that, like I've had the same. It's like, I've gone from like, you know, selling every A-lister and like running to every red carpet, obviously pre-COVID to like, you know, like, oh, okay, well, you know, whatever. Like if I, you know, if events don't come back for a minute, they don't come back. Like I'm so like, I, in a way it sounds crazy. I know some people get mad at me, but in a way it's been kind of a blessing to just like have this time to just kind of be like, oh. I don't think people should be mad at you for that because I think that, you know, you have to make lemonade out of lemons. And it's like, we're not saying that 2020 was a cakewalk. We're just saying that there was some good that came out of it. You know, right. people re-evaluating re their perspective and their priorities. It was like, God, it made me realize, you know, I actually only care about my family. Like at the end of the day, like, money you can take my money you can take my house like you could take you know but just like don't take my family yeah I love that you said that because I feel the same way it's like I feel like my husband and I have gotten so much closer like not that we weren't close but like we're on a new yeah. level of like being a team and like working together and like being in the same you know obviously with LA like being in the same place you know for almost a year and like him working from home and as much as it's been intense for him it's like been so beautiful it's like be home together and like have as much more time together and like Amelia gets so excited every day when she comes out of her room and she's like oh daddy good morning you're working like it's just like the dynamic it's just it's been so like beautiful and I've said this to many people I'm like in a way in my opinion like I feel like everyone is so used to this like hamster wheel like autopilot go 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 and then like the brakes came we all came to this like screeching hall and it was like whoa what's happening and that was intense but now I feel like how you were saying of like the reshift of priorities, like in my opinion, like I don't think things are going to fully go back even when everything's handled. Like I really don't, I don't think, think they are either. Yeah. I feel like from what you were saying, like people are really reevaluating their perspectives. And I love that you brought up, you know, you're Christian and brought up God, because it also makes sense to me why, why we align, because I actually didn't know like that much in that sense about you. And, you know, I, in the pandemic and everything and also becoming a mom, like I found my relationship with God again. And like, I've gone down that route again. And, it, and it's wild to me how many conversations I've had like this since 2020. And it's like, wow, it's like, you know, you said the perspectives, the priorities, everything is shifting and and I mean in my, and again in my opinion for the better I think so too yeah I mean I think you know not to be like so cliche but you know there's a reason they're called growing pains and I think our society my hope is that we're just going through growing pains and we're having to face some really harsh realities um and I you know I think that obviously it's like, I would never get political. Nobody wants to hear politics, especially in 2021. Um, I'm very middle of the road, but I'm just hoping that as a nation, because of all the things that have transpired in the last, you know, 12 months, um, regardless of who caused it, I think every side caused it. I think every side, I think both sides are guilty. Absolutely. I just think, I think that I'm hoping that, you know, 
people are just starting to say like almost like an exhaustion of like like me and my seventh year of marriage like how did we get here yeah are we gonna decide to be the united states because like right now we're not united like let's take a breath let's take a pause and like let's have a conversation and like you know pull ourselves back up and like keep going but we have to i felt like we almost had to come to this horrible um like it's like we had to go through 2020 we've had to go through like a lot of january of 2021 for us to all be like are we tired enough now <laughs> like are we like toddlers that like just need to take a nap and like eat a sandwich and be like you know i feel better like can we can we all agree that like we, we like this family you know like uh -huh. yep I completely agree with you hundred percent. Yeah, I, I do too. I feel, I feel the exact same way. And I agree with you. It's like, there were a lot of growing pains. It's like, you know, it's like even within ourselves, right? Like nobody, I mean, myself included wants to do the work. Nobody wants to like sit in their shit and, you know, go through their own shadows and deal with the darkness. Like nobody does, but it's like, it was like forced upon us. It was like, well, now you're yeah. going to deal with it. So too much, like here it is because it's, it's all too much. And like, whether you believe in God, source, universe, whatever it may be, who's listening, like it was put in front of us, like you said, for a reason, it's like, you're going to deal with it, whether you want to or not. Yeah. How you choose to show up to it is going to make your reality. Yeah. And knowing that we're responsible only for our response. That's right. You know, like we can't control, control our circumstances. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like you can only, re you can only filter your response. And I think a lot of things that like upset people too, sometimes, you know, we have to obviously my including myself in this we have to evaluate like why does this upset me so much does it upset me because it's right to be so upset about it but then what's my reaction like how do i make it better is it like a righteous indignation where like it's like okay i'm going to become a foster parent if this child abuse is going on it makes me feel this so i'm going to become a foster parent it's like what do you choose to do what's your response to this to make it better right you stepped into that you were like you found out about this like you were saying when you were doing all this different digging and praying of like what you wanted to focus on of like what your, you know, at first, I guess, charity that you were going to potentially work with. And then obviously fell in love with wanting to actually be a part of it. But like you stepped into that, you chose to step into that role and step up and say, well, I'm actually going to do something about it. And I think if more people stepped into like each thing of whatever it is to them and said, I'm going to do something about it, including starting with the work with me, it'd be a whole different situation, no matter where you are. Yeah. I mean, I think people who change the world run toward things that hurt for sure yeah well like you said growth isn't comfortable I mean you know ever oh my god <laughs> ever you know I mean anyone that tells you like you know they're like oh you know I evolved like it's all it's like they're not they never did then they never actually went through that growth because it's, it's painful like you said it's growing pains it is like I had my own I was telling my husband you know when we were talking earlier I'm like you know besides the pandemic and what it served and all that I'm like I kind of had like my own I guess like mini pandemic in my own like world and body when I went through heavy postpartum depression after my first daughter and like that rocked my freaking world and I feel like in a way I've been better about handling all this because I went through that because it was so soon after you know and it was like it shook me to my core like and it really like rocked me and it broke me down pretty much for me thank god to come through a breakthrough but like in the breakdown, like it was messy. It was awful. It was painful. Like it was everything. And, you know, looking back at that, I, I'm like, wow, I, I got out of that, you know, and it's like, but in that moment, it was like, I was never getting out of that. That's so interesting. Yeah. You know? So, and again, like, you know, like you were talking about before being like Christian and God and everything. I love what you shared because 
I was telling my husband too, like I, you know, I've always been, I always believed in God, but I, you know, it was just kind of one of those things like, of course I believe and I pray and whatever, but it was never something that like, I necessarily put it at the forefront and something I thought about like, you know, that like to come back to like as an actual support continuously and all that. It's like, again, all this rocking, all this shaking, like that has been something I've started building my relationship around and feeling like peace within myself even if shit is like crazy right now it's like mm-hmm. but I have that peace you know and so you know and I think a lot of people like I've spoken to have also told me they started to do the same you know whatever whether it be meditation would be prayer would be this would be that it's like people I feel like in a way are starting to t- like go back towards that which is kind of interesting I think so too I think so right? too and I think I think that a lot of good um you know, for a lack of better word or an appropriate word, I think there's like spiritual revival that's about to come to our country that will bring about healing where politicians can't heal us. You know, it's like, I think that love can heal us. And I think that love comes from like a spiritual place, not a political aisle. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, look, as, as you said before, you know, the only person who can really save you is yourself and, you know, source and what you connect to. And it's true. It's like, you know, it doesn't matter. In my opinion, it's like, you're looking at everything and it's like, it's kind of like this illusion because everything, like you said, money, cars, house, this, that, whatever it is, especially us, like being in that industry, it's like, it doesn't mean anything because it's all whatever, anything, anything. It's like, it can all be taken away. It doesn't mean anything, but it's funny how obviously before all this, like, I'm not going to lie. It meant something to me. Like I was, I was totally swept up, totally swept up. Like I actually didn't even realize how much I was until this happened. You know, I mean, it was like, oh, like I had a mini reality check, I think in my postpartum depression and started to start to realize it. But then especially now it was like a reconfirmation of like, oh, you really don't need that shit. Okay. Yeah. And like, you're on a freaking hamster wheel, like you said. Right. It's like the Instagram game. It's like my best friend last night was like, you don't really like Instagram. You're so good at it. And I'm like, it's part of my J-O-B girlfriend. Like Mm -hmm. I like it's sort of, I like the community I found on there. The love, the love, hate relationship. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I had to come to terms with Instagram. I don't know, like two years ago, I remember just sitting and being like, I can't do this anymore. And, and then I met um, Brittany Ray Stokes, the founder of project orphans on there. And I found like a bunch of foster moms on there. And that's how I found kind of my neighborhood of moms where it's just like, Oh God, like you all understand foster care. Um, but if I didn't have community on there, if it was just a billboard, I would die because like I don't have time to do my hair every day and I don't have time to put makeup on every day and like my legs are not shaved right now I'm in quarantine I will shave my armpits for my (laughs) own self but like I am not shaving my legs you know like no like I I don't like there is always somebody younger and cooler than you and like I never had style to begin with that's why your job exists you know (laughs) like I'm not I don't like I am not like I'm looking at like bloggers and it's like man, good for you, girlfriend, with your awesome highlights and like knowing what's on trend and knowing how to pose. And like, I don't know how you get all of your kids to be in matching outfits and look like they like each other. Like my kids love each other, but also like, how are your kids posing that long that you got all of them to smile? Good for you. Oh my God, thank you for saying that. Cause like, can I just tell you like, so like talking about my postpartum depression, like one of the first things like talking about Instagram, one of the first triggers I realized for me was the fact that I was like on social 24 seven after I had my baby girl, Amelia. And I was like legit comparing myself 24 seven to these moms who like snap back their bodies and they've got makeup on and they look fabulous and they're in their jeans a week later and they're carrying their baby and they got their stroller. And here I am like, didn't expect to have a C-section, like have a little, you know, fupa situation, can't get in my jeans, uncomfortable, super like barely breastfeeding because Amelia won't latch, like, you know, 
beyond upset over you know producing because I'm talking like a psycho all all the things you know what I mean like and it was just like oh my god I could barely even like get in the shower let alone like I'm looking at these women I'm like how the fuck like it was just it was so painful like you match like your outfit matches like right like what you know and it was like and it wasn't even this like judgment of like like what it was just like wait how like what and then it was like you know I started talking to these different moms kind of scenes this mom got a nanny and this mom got this and and it's like oh and there's nothing wrong with that but it's like social media doesn't show you that social media does not show it and that's I think there's been a trend too of like people that are more real, like their socials are starting to grow because I think a lot of people are just over it. They're like, please show me your crap because yeah. I'm going to kill myself. Right, right. I'm like, I'm looking at everything. I'm going, oh my God, like, why am I such a hot mess? And I, I agree with you. It's like, but again, what we were talking about of like the materials and stuff, I feel like so much of that is kind of like leaving that trend and like that perfectness on social is starting to like leave. And I do agree with you like that, that authenticity and realness is starting to like come through and people are actually craving it and are like, oh, please show me that. Please show me you're a hot mess because I'm a hot mess today too. Like, you know, and it's like, yeah, I, I want like it. Right. But we all have really bad days too. (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's like when you texted me tonight before we got on, you're like, so is this audio or visual? So, and I was like, no, 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 just audio because I'm feeding my baby. Like I'm not trying to get myself together right now, you know, but it's, you know, it's like, I feel like again, like the, in in a sense, the pandemic kind of brought everybody to like the same playing field, the same level. Like you went from all being different levels and this and that and this one's this and that, all of a sudden to like boom everyone's at the same level yeah you know it's it's in, it's interesting it, it's very interesting I'm actually curious for you like I mean I know you like love comedy and like you love to laugh but like what have been some of the things in quarantine especially in the beginning obviously of like and even just I guess going through obviously like being in the fact that we're in California and been on lockdown for almost a year but <laughs> Um, I, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but I mean, how have you like continued to, you know, thrive, obviously maybe not every day, but overall, like during the pandemic, like what would be maybe some things you'd want to share that have been like in your toolbox that have helped you that maybe would help someone else listening? Um, I think one thing that honestly motivates me a lot is there's a mother Teresa quote that I like really do live by, which is why this is my answer. And she, you know, we, I would preface it by saying like, everyone knows who mother Teresa is, right? Like did girlfriend have an Instagram account? Like, of course not. She was a freaking nun. And by the way, she was an Italian nun. Okay. Like she was like, how do we even know who she is? And like, she changed the world as a nun. And, you know, and, and one of her, my favorite quotes by her that I live by is, you know, if you want to change the world, do small acts with great love and small acts of kindness with great love. And so I like everyone, or I think everyone in their right mind went out of my right mind in March, right? When we were all just like, what is this? Is this the bone bonnet clay? Are we talking like smallpox level or like, what is COVID? You know, I really had like a shutdown, shutdown where I freaked out, you know, and I'm like, reading the book of Daniel, if you know the book of Daniel, that's Jewish scripture, it like prophesies things and like revelation and the new Testament. I'm like, where are we on the timeline? <laughs> I'm like, Jesus is coming back and people are about to get the mark of the beast. Okay. That's where I was in March. <laughs> like in March, I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, Oh my God. I, I like, I haven't adopted my children. I need to run. And then April came, you know, and the world was still there. And 
you know, come mid-March or like near the end of March going into April, I launched this um, fundraiser called Voices That Give, where I launched a global online talent show um, because I just believe that everybody was created on purpose and with purpose and with unique talents and gifts because like no one's ever had your soul, Allie. You know, like no one has, no one has ever been you and no one will ever be you. And that's amazing. And so you were created on purpose and for a purpose. And so I hosted an online global talent show that raised money for, you know, building my neighborhood and kids in foster care. And so it was kind of just like, I had to sit, sit back and be like, okay, well, I don't think it's the end of the world anymore. I should say that in case that wasn't very clear, (laughs) but in March, you know, it was kind of just like, dude, look. If it was, what do I want to do? I want to go out loving people. I don't want to go out, you know, I want to like, and that's like an illustration for life. You know, we are still a vapor and we, I'm like, you know, nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. You know, no one is, you know, we, we think we are, but God forbid we could get in a car accident or something horrible or an earthquake, God forbid, you know, these are all very real things. And and we could die. And so what are we, you know, what are we doing with our lives? And I want my life to be a life of love where I just tried my best to build God's kingdom and, and be an example and an ambassador of like who I believe Jesus is. And so um, that has been what's kept me going. It's just like even the Mother Teresa quote of if you want to change the world, do small acts of kindness with great love. And like she did. And she never intended to. That was not her goal. She didn't intend to change the world. She just chose to love, love and love really well. I love that. Will you say that again? You said created with purpose. What was the line you said? Like you were created on purpose. On purpose. And for a purpose. And for a purpose. I love that. Yeah. It's like, because it's, it's so true for anyone listening, no matter what you're, what you're feeling right now, no matter what walk of life you're in, like it's, it's just so true. Like created on purpose for a purpose. Yeah, girl. And if you're reading Jewish scripture, which is what Christians just call the old Testament, right? You should read Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is the jam. All the Psalms are super good. They're like just amazing. But Psalm 139 is like, that'll rock your world. Psalm 139. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna write it down. Like I make, 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 make note of this. Psalm 139. I'm writing it down like old school with my pen. Um, yeah. I uh, know. I love it. I mean, I, lo- I love everything you shared. And like, it's so funny. Cause I would, you know, when we, when I reached out to you, like I was cracking up because I was like, oh my gosh, I styled her like so long ago. I wonder if she'll even remember me. And like, I gotta have her on my show. And like, I was, you know, so excited to have you on. But now this conversation, it's like, I, I'm seeing why the alignment of like, why I actually reached out and like, you know, like what the message you shared, because it was just so much bigger than what, of course, I had imagined the interview to be, which is amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, that's what's been happening with my show the whole time since I started it. It's like the conversations, the the rawness, the realness, the authenticity, it's just been so beautiful. And I'm like, wow, it's like spirit working through me. It's just, it's like, I don't even, you know, it's just, it, it's so cool. It, it, and I've had like the most amazing people on, they've shared like their heart, like you. And I, I just think there just needs to be so much more of this. And I, I so appreciate you being like so raw and, and real on my show. Thanks. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're welcome. Is there anything else you'd want to leave us with? Especially when I'm in quarantine. It's so nice. <laughs> I'm keeping you company in quarantine, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Have you seen my Instagram stories? They're wild. They're like, I don't know where my children get it. You know, I judge my daughter and she's like, look at you. Like, you're a mess. <laughs> 
I love it. Is there anything before I let you go back to your, your quarantine? Is there anything uh, else you'd want to share with us? Any, you know, um, any like, I mean, you gave so many gems. Is there anything else you want to leave us with? And then of course, plug yourself, tell us where to find you, follow you, all that good stuff. Well, I mean, I would just leave people. Well, Okay, I'll plug myself and then I'll leave you. So I will say that all of my music, 100% of my profits go to, um, I released an album last year in the fall cool. uh, called Hindsight for 2020. It was the 2020 title. And um, it's awesome. It's like a 60s style album and it's really good. And I can't, I'm not just saying that about myself. Like the musicians that were on it were incredible. I, we had like Dell's musicians and Rosie Danvers strings and Diane Warren and Adrian Gervitz and Lauren Christie. I mean, it was just like all-star amazing. It's 60 style. It's like, you know, love, life, loss and analyzing it. And it's empowering. Like, how do you move forward, you know, album, but hundred percent of the profits go to helping kids in foster care. So check that out, please. And then I would just leave people with, you know, exactly what we've been talking about. Like, again, every single person was created on purpose and for a purpose no one is a mistake. Um, no one is a mistake and, and everyone is wanted by someone and so deeply loved by God. And I would say everybody should read Psalm 139 because it's just so good. Like, it's just so good. I love it. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pull it up and, and, and read it and check it out. And so you told us where to get your, your name and your music. And of course I'll plug the, um, foster information here in the show notes guys, but, um, are there any other places social wise you want people to follow you or find you? You know, if they're going to follow me or find me anywhere, they should find me on Instagram, Facebook. I just link it. I don't even know how Facebook works anymore. Like <laughs> I cannot keep up with it. I know Facebook and Instagram are like the same company now, but I'll stay on the Instagram side. It's only one I understand. Um, on Instagram, it's Jen, J-E-N underscore Lily, L-I-L-L-E-Y. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on and sharing your light. And guys, like she said, you know, you were created for purpose on purpose. So keep that in mind. And Jen, thank you again so much for being on. Yeah, thank you. I hope you get some sleep. Like go to bed right now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I shall try. And cheers till next time, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Everything with Allie Levine. If you loved this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, tell a friend, tag us on social media, subscribe, tune in weekly for new episodes, and to continuously be uplifted, empowered, and inspired.